Good to have all of you here today. Thank you for being in God's house. To all of our guests, we welcome you. Just delighted that you are here. If this is your first time, I hope that TPC loves you so many ways, you're bound to like one of them. Amen. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're just, we're going to talk this morning. Is that all right? We're just going to talk. Okay. Father, for the next few minutes, would you just help us? Help us. We need your help. You never asked us to do this alone. So the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. And you make us to lie down in green pastures and you lead us beside the still waters and you restore our soul. Let that power of restoration be ever so present in our time of need. And we give you thanks and praise. And everyone say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. This morning for the next few minutes, I want to talk about finding the strength to go on. How do we find the strength to go on? I'm sure that most of you by now know of the tragedy that happened this past Thursday to Logan Copeland. He was involved in a fatal car accident. And now here we are this Sunday morning, and I don't know about you, but I will just speak for myself. I am wondering, what do we do next, and how do we get on with our lives? You know, what do you do, brothers and sisters, when you love someone dearly and deeply and they're with you one day and they're not with you the next? What do you do when your spouse walks in and says, um, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back? What do you do when the doctor calls you and says, I'm sorry, but I don't have good news. The news is it's terminal. What do you do when you walk away from a freshly covered grave? What do you do next? Brothers and sisters, unfortunately, we live in a broken world because there is sin. And because of sin, the weather is broken. Relationships are broken. Accidents happen. And we all face tragedies. I don't know if you know this, but this morning... Sister Teresa Hurd is standing by her son Joe's side. And Joe is not doing good at all. And we need to lift that young man up in prayer. I don't know if you know this, but the Wilkinson family had a house one day and fire destroyed it the next. They're living in Heritage Hotel. There are other things that I could tell you. I didn't come here to depress you. I've come here to tell you that we all face tragedies in life because we live in a broken world. And there was a man in the Bible, and his name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah asked some of the same questions to the Lord that many of you are asking and I am asking in particular. He wrote a couple books. One is the book of Jeremiah, and the other is the book of Lamentations. I'm going to have some readings out of his books. I want us to look at Lamentations chapter 3. And this is what Jeremiah wrote. Jeremiah was a prophet and he lived during a time uh, of really horrendous history that Israel was in and he was alive that time. And so here is what he wrote in his book of Lamentations chapter 3. 
He says, we have suffered terrors and we have suffered pitfalls. We have suffered ruin and destruction. Streams of tears flow down my eyes because of the destruction of my people. And then he says, I have cried until the tears no longer come. My heart is broken. My spirit poured out as I see what has happened to my people. So if you've come to church today and your heart's a little heavy, it just means you have a heart. If you're not feeling on top of the mountain, I tell you I'm not either. But it just means that grief is the price of love. And when you love deep, you're going to grieve deep. All of us have been under a lot of emotional stress these past few days. So how do we find the strength to go on? Well, in Jeremiah's case, God told him, this is what you need to do, Jeremiah, to face a tragedy. Number one, here it is. Please don't take this lightly, but we've got to focus our attention on God. This is not a time we throw our Bibles in the street. This is not a time we turn to a bottle. This is not a time we sniff something or snort something. This is a time we turn our attention back to God. The first thing that we need to do is find some quiet time. Here's what Lamentations 3 and 28 says. When life is heavy and hard to take, this is, I believe, the message translation. Go off by yourself. Enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Wait for hope to appear. I like that. Did you know that God wants to talk to us? I know that many people don't believe that God still talks to people, but I'm telling you that is a lie. God still talks to his people. He started talking in Genesis 1 and he kept talking all the way to Revelations 22. He talked all the way through it and he's still talking. But you know why we don't hear? Because we're too busy. Can I talk this morning? I said we're too busy. I want to challenge all of us this week. Would you please cut off your TV, your YouTube, your entertainment, your playlist, your, 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 your PlayStation and all of that. And would all of us find 10 to 15 minutes just to get quiet and ask the question, Lord, what do you want to speak to me today? God is a perfect gentleman and he will not scream at you. He is waiting on you. Be still and know that I am God. He's waiting on all of us to cut all of our little devices off so that he can speak to us. I'm going to challenge all of us this morning. Would you please, would you please take 10 to 15 minutes just to get quiet? You say, how do I do that? Go in your backyard, find your favorite table, your favorite chair, or wherever you like to get. Get a cup of coffee, glass of tea, whatever it is you like, and just sit there for a minute and say these words. Lord, what would you like to speak to me today? God still talks to his people. Can I get a witness? You say, well, how do I do that? Okay, here's how you do it. You take your Bible. And wherever you like to go, wherever you like to be, you take your Bible. And if you will open your Bible to the middle, about the middle of your Bible is the book of Psalms. Start reading 
in Psalms chapter 1. And just keep reading the Psalms. Does anybody know what Psalm 1 is? I'm trying to find it. Start reading right there. Okay? And then let God speak to you through His Word. You say, well, what if He don't speak the first five minutes? Then read five more. What if He don't speak then? Then read five more. But if you'll keep reading, God will speak to you through His Word. Here's the next thing we do. We ask God to remove our fears. In a tragedy like this, we all feel all kinds of emotions. We feel grief. We feel pain. We feel anger. We feel frustration and confusion. And all of those emotions you're going to feel when we have a tragedy. But there's one emotion that we're going to feel more than any of those, and that is fear. Some of you older ones will remember a lady by the name of Ann Landers. Ann Landers was a very popular syndicated columnist. And at the height of her popularity, people wrote to her. She was receiving over 10,000 letters a day. I think she passed away in like 2002. And somebody asked her the question, what is one of the greatest problems that humans face? And Ann Landers said this, one of the greatest problems that humans face is fear. Fear. So I want to talk to you just a minute about that. How do we deal with fear? The Bible gives us three antidotes to dealing with fear. I'm facing it myself right now. Every time Molly goes out of our house, I'm saying, Molly, please drive a little safer, a little slower. Please look twice, you know, because it's fear. Yes, your pastor is going to be transparent with you. I'm dealing with fear with Molly right now and with our family. That's just the, that's just what tragedy does. Causes you to get fearful. So how do we deal with that? I'm going to give you three antidotes to deal with your fear. Number one is truth. Number two is love. And number three is faith. Jesus said in John 8 and 32, the truth will set you free. And you say, well, how is that an antidote to fear? Because most fears are based on lies. And that's why the enemy's always lying to you to get you to be afraid, to get you to live in fear. Because lies breed misconceptions and they breed misunderstandings. And we can't get rid of fear just by saying, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. Doesn't work. We have to replace fear with truth. And the more we fill our lives with this good book, the more we can come against fear with the truth of God's word. The second way you get rid of fear is by filling your life with love. Here's what 1 John 4 and 18 says. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. If we have a lot of fears in our life, it tells me one thing. Maybe we're not as close to God as we need to be. Why? Because God is love. And love is stronger than fear. You say, how is that? If you're a parent and you just happen to look up and see your child wander out into a busy street, you know what? You don't even have to think, I wonder if I should get the little... You don't go back and analyze it, do you? If you're a good parent, you see your child in a busy street, 
What do you do? You don't even think about how busy it is. You're running. Right? So what are you saying? I'm saying without even a moment's notice, your love is greater than your fear. Because you're going to go get that child out of that busy street because you love that child that much. It doesn't matter what's coming. Right? Perfect love cast out fear. And we needed what we felt this morning because we need that love to be restored back to us. We need to be reminded of God's truth that God loves me no matter what I'm going through. No matter what I'm facing, God still loves me. Does that make sense? Okay, and the third thing we do to combat fear is faith. Let me tell you how it works. Faith does not illuminate, or pardon me, it doesn't eliminate the feelings of fear. It gives us the courage to do what we need to do in spite of how we feel. I'm pretty sure logic told Peter to stay in the boat, but faith told him, step out. I'm pretty sure Peter probably felt a little bit of fear when Jesus said, come, but his faith helped him to move beyond his fear. I read a book. It's a great book. It's called Filling the Fear and Doing It Anyway. And it's by Susan. I wish I could remember her last name. It's a great book. I'd recommend it to you. You feel the fear and you do it anyway. It's not that a fireman doesn't feel the fear of the fire, but he has enough courage to rely on his or her training to go on in there and do what they were instructed and trained to do. Here's what I'm saying. Our faith, brothers and sisters, doesn't mean that we don't face fear. But what it does is it gives us the courage. I'm going to worship anyway. I'm going to step out on faith anyway. I'm going to keep trusting anyway. Because I know... Right? I know. What do you know, Pastor? I know that God brought us through when Bowie passed away. I know that God brought us through when Megan passed away. I know that God brought us through when, when uh, Madeline Maine passed away. I know that God brought us through when Larry and Nelwyn's son passed away. And we're still here. And we're still standing. Now, we may not be on cloud nine tomorrow, but here's what I know by faith. God is faithful. And He will see us through. And He will give this church the strength to move on. Can I keep going? Here's the third thing that we do when we're in a tragedy. And this is what God told Jeremiah in his book. He said this. He said, believe that God will restore us. We have to believe that God will restore us. We expect Him to. We trust in Him. We trust, brothers and sisters, that somehow, some way, even though we don't have a clue, God is going to bring good out of this. Yes, he is. Look at Lamentations 5 and 21, New Living Translation. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. I'm going to get very practical with you. Please don't go and pray right now for Cherie and Johnny for God to give them the joy back. That's not the season they're in. Understand me, I'm saying this from a very pure heart. God told the people of Israel after Moses passed away, go and mourn for Moses 30 days. There is a season to mourn. 
there is a season to rejoice. And right now, they're in the night season of mourning. Is joy going to come? Yes. Can they see that? Probably not right now. But through our love, through us loving, right? Through us coming alongside of them and praying for them and loving them, joy will eventually come. Is it right now? No. Will it come? Yes. How do we pray? Lord, strengthen their faith. Help them through this dark season, right? We believe that God is going to restore this church and the Copeland family because that's his character and that is his nature. Now, I'm going to get very practical with you. I'm going to give us three ways, things that we should never do in a tragedy. Okay, and then I'm going to give you two things that we should always do. Number one, listen, everybody, please don't repress your grief. Now, I know we've been taught different, but I'm going to I'm going to come alongside you and you don't have to believe me. Welcome to believe whatever you want. But I don't believe God has a problem with us questioning him. When my son and daughter come and question and ask me why I don't kick them out of the house, how dare you question me? I don't do that. Don't slap them upside their head. If you're a decent parent, you're not going to do that either. We all want to know why. It is okay. Even Jesus himself said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? That's a question. Jesus did that. Brothers and sisters, listen, when you're in a time of grief, don't repress your grief. Spill it out to who? To a very close friend, not to Facebook, not to Instagram, but to someone you trust, right? Spill it out. Get it out. Take it to the cross. I would love to tell you that you just take it to Jesus one time and you're all good. But I had to take something to him 10 years before I totally felt released from it. Okay, you just you don't stuff it when you stuff your grief and you stuff your emotions. You're only hurting yourself. Okay? You say, what do I say to Johnny and Cherie? You talk about Logan. You remember the good things, how great of a young man that he was. Right. But then in your private time, you go and you pour your grief out to God and you're. I don't understand, and this ain't right, and this don't feel good. God is big enough to handle all of our emotions, and he's not going to get mad at us because he loves us, right? Here's the second thing. Don't resign from life. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll never be happy again. You may feel that way, but that's just not true. Okay, don't resign from life. Well, I'm just going to pull myself into this shell. I'm, I'm just going to build a wall around my heart. I'm just going to be like a porcupine and not let anybody touch me. I'm never going to let a friend get close to me. I'm never going to let my heart out there again. That's a big mistake. You might as well go ahead and die right now and bury yourself because that's what you're doing. Because you know what? We all need love. We all need somebody to love us. And we got to keep our heart open. Does it hurt? You better believe it hurts. But if you don't allow love in, you might as well die now. Because love is life. Can I get a witness? Okay, here's the third thing. Don't retreat into resentment. Resentment doesn't work. 
Resentment doesn't hurt other people. Listen to me, all you sweet people. I'm coming alongside you. Resentment doesn't hurt other people. It hurts you. It's like taking a cancer inside your soul. It will destroy you. It's like drinking poison. It will destroy you. You have to let resentment go. Not for their sake, but for your sake. And say, it happened. I wish it wouldn't have. But the past is the past. And I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to keep forgiving. And guess what? You don't just forgive one time. You keep forgiving until eventually you forgive that thing. And it comes out of your spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, here's several things we should do when we face a tragedy. This is a big one. Are you ready? Number one, this is what you should do. Accept what cannot be changed. Accept what cannot be changed. There's a lot of things in life that we can't control. In fact, most of the things in life we can't control. How do we overcome? Through acceptance. Acceptance is the key to peace. I want you to say this with me. Acceptance is the key to peace. Say this with me. Acceptance is the key to serenity. Acceptance is the key to getting on with your life. I'm not saying you do this the first rattle out of the box. What I am saying is you ask God, help me to accept what I cannot change. Yo, I'm not at all trying to make this situation less heavy, right? I'm telling you, this is a heavy situation and it hurts my heart to see where this family is at. But the truth of the matter is, if we ask Logan to come back, he wouldn't dare want to. Because he is, if we believe what we preach, he is in the presence of Almighty God. He is in his eternal home and eternal rest. Now, it doesn't make it any easier, but here is what I am saying. What helps us is to accept what we cannot change. We have lost loved ones. We have lost loved ones, and if we could, we would love to physically have them with us. But they're gone, and we can't bring them back. And if they're saved, they wouldn't want to come back. And some of you are holding on maybe to a partner that has left and they've already gone out and they've remarried. Listen, I don't want to be cruel, but they're not coming back. And some of us have got to let some things go. And acceptance is the key. It's not what I wanted. This is not how I saw it unfolding. But here is where we are. And I don't want to live the rest of my life in hell. I want to live the abundant life and God, help me to let it go. Help me to do, Lord, forgive and not live in resentment. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you live in resentment, it's going to make you a mean person. I've seen some mean Christians come to church on a Sunday, but they're mean. You know why? Because life got to them and they never let it go. Okay. Here's the next thing that we've got to do. Are you ready? Focus on what's left. Not what's lost. That's powerful. Focus on what's left, not what's lost. You have to remember now that there are some things that are left. You have lost some things. We all lose. The Bible even says there is a time to gain and there is a time to lose. 
we all lose some things. And what happens is, is human nature tends to focus on what we have lost. Now, I want to say something about David Wilkinson. Every time that I have talked to him, here's what he said. Pastor, yes, we did lose this house. But here's what he's told me. Two or three times that we've talked, he said this. But I want you to know that I'm blessed. Because we got out with our life. I've got a roof over my head. I've got food on my table. And I live in America. And i got one of the greatest churches I could ever be in. You know what our tendency is, is we focus on what we have lost. What I'm going to challenge you this week is go home, get you a notebook, get you a pen and paper, and write on it what you have left. I still have breath. I still have this one in my life. I have a roof over my head. I got food on my table and clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. I got Jesus in my heart. I still live in America. I know the Lord. I've been saved. Come on, let's don't focus on what we have lost. Let's focus on what we have left. Gratitude, brothers and sisters, destroys depression. I want to say it again. Gratitude destroys depression. It doesn't mean that I'm not hurting. It just means I am focused on the goodness of God. It doesn't mean that I'm ready to laugh and have a party with you. But it means that my focus is, God, I thank you, Lord, for what is still in my life. And I thank you, God. Listen, can I just talk to you a minute? The disciples had toiled all night and caught nothing. But little did they know he had their harvest held up on the other side. I just want to tell somebody, God still has a harvest for us. God still has revival for this church. Church, God is still with us. And yes, we're going to grieve. We're in a season of grief, but we're not just going to focus on what we've lost. We're going to focus on what is left. Here's the next thing that I want to share with you as I hasten this morning. Remember what never changes. Fads change. Fashion changes. What's popular in a house today won't be popular in a house 10 years from now. Songs change. Things change all the time. And what you and I have to remember, I preach the message, if you'll remember, being anchored. Because every one of us are going to go through a storm. And when we go through a storm, the things that hold us is what we're anchored to. And we have to remember that some things never change. What do you mean? I'm telling you that God's word will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will endure forever. So I anchor myself to God's word. Come on, somebody. We have to nail ourselves, bolt ourselves, fasten ourselves to these unchangeable realities or we're just going to be blown away by life because life can blow you away. Now, here's what we need to remember, that God is still in control. Say it with me. God is still in control. God is still on the throne. 
We may be all shaken, but God wasn't shaken Thursday morning. It didn't catch God by surprise what happened to Logan. It caught us by surprise, but not God. God is not nervous. He is still on His throne. He is watching over His Word to perform it. He's still calling the shots in spite of all the tragedies that we have faced. Now, humans do have a free will and humans can make some bad choices and people do get hurt, but God controls how it all is going to work out. And the reason why our lives are filled with fear, as I said earlier, is because most of our life is beyond control. Our own control. When you get to thinking about it, we all love control, but let me just break it down for you. You didn't get to choose who your parents were. You didn't get to choose when you were born. You didn't get to choose what color your skin was. You didn't get to choose what, where, where as far as in America or Africa or Ethiopia or Asia or Europe. You didn't get to choose any of that. You don't get to choose the weather today. You didn't get to choose what happened yesterday. You're not, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't even choose what's going to happen this afternoon. You're, you and I are not in control. And I'm going to come alongside you people, some of you that just love control. I'm going to tell you, most of your life is not in your control. Well, you ought to make them do this and make them do that. Jesus didn't make anybody follow him. Jesus didn't make anybody serve him. I'm not here to make you do anything. I'm here to present the truth to you in love. And then it's got to be in your heart. I can't put it in your heart. And we want all this control. And that's why we have all these fears because we're wanting to control this and control that. Listen, brothers and sisters, put your life in His hands and understand that He is your good shepherd and He will lead you beside the still waters. So what are you saying? I'm saying the one thing, we want to control most things we can't, and the one or two things that we can control, we don't. What can I control? My attitude. I can control my attitude. I can control my mind. I can control my mouth. And I can control my response. And that's a big issue. So guess what? Even though your pastor this morning is hurting, and I am hurting, I am hurting for you. I'm hurting for this family. But I made a choice to worship this morning. Not because I'm not hurting, but because He deserves my praise. He deserves my worship. It's not based off of what He done. It's based off of who He is. Right? Okay, here's the next thing. The second thing that never changes is this. Brothers and sisters, God loves me. God loves you. And that's never going to change. How do you know that? Because Roman tells me, not height, not depth, not persecution, not tribulation, not principalities, not even death can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is God always pleased with us? No, just as if you're a parent, you're not always pleased with your children, but He still loves us. And nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Can I get a witness? I just want to remind all of us this morning that accidents is not punishment from God. Accidents are accidents because we live in a fallen world. 
God is not punishing us. God is not punishing this family. God is not getting even with us. Because God will never stop loving us. Here's the third thing that I want you to remember. And we're going to be done. We need to remember that God is all we need. If we've got God, then we have everything else. Because he's got all the other resources. And we don't realize that God is all we need until God is all we've got. So my brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that we're going to rise from these ashes. And we're going to see a mighty harvest. But for now, we're going to walk with this family through this season of grief. But we're going to continue to give God our praise. Would you stand with me this morning and let's do that. If you're a believer all across this building, would you give God some praise right now by lifting up your hands and opening up your mouth and giving Him praise. Hallelujah. Father, we praise You. God, we thank You. Thank You, Lord God, for Your presence that has been in this room today. Thank You for Your love and Your grace. Thank You for Your mercy and Your goodness to Your people. And God, we love You and we honor You and we praise You. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God is a body. We're low. We're grieving. Some of us are confused. But thank you that you brought us here today. God, you're going to strengthen us emotionally. You're going to strengthen us physically. You're going to strengthen us spiritually. And Lord, we're looking to you. We're looking to you for our comfort. We're looking to you for your presence. And God, we need you to heal our hurts. Thank you for bringing us all here today. And I pray that all this week, this beautiful body of Christ would just take 10, 15 minutes. Get in their favorite chair. Open up their Bible. Go to the book of Psalms. Start reading and just let you speak to us. God, as we, Lord, overcome our fears, let your truth set us free. Let your love cast out all fear. Let your faith help us to overcome what we're feeling. Help us to remember, God, that you, Lord, love us and you'll never stop loving us. And that you, God, are in control of every situation. And that you, O oh Lord, will somehow, someway, bring good out of evil. Father, I pray that Johnny and Cherie, Lauren and Connor, 
Lord, Brother Teton, Sister Copeland, Brother and Sister Brown, and all that are connected to this family would just feel a great outpouring of love from this body of Christ. Father, help us to do it right. We don't want to stuff our grief. We want to take our grief to you. Through the power of your presence, receive your love. I wonder if there's anyone that you would just step out from where you are. Sister Faith is going to lead us. And as she leads us, I'm just asking you just to open up your heart and lift up your hands. And say, Lord, I need you right now. Receive His love. Come on, TPC.
help heal us. You know, they did a study on babies. Babies that they caressed and hugged and babies that they didn't caress and hug. And there was a huge difference in the outcome. You know why? Because we all need love. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand on somebody's shoulder so they can just feel. Put your hand on somebody's shoulder and whatever you want right now and whatever you need, I want you to begin to pray it upon your neighbor in the name of Jesus. Come on, pray it on your neighbor. Let them feel your touch. Let them hear your prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would strengthen Lord, Sister Faith and Brother Clayton. God, that you would let more divine favor be right now, God, on their life. That they would feel your strength. Come on. Come on, TPC. Let love flow out of your heart. Let prayer flow from your lips. Let the healing of this body begin.
Yeah, lift your voice up. How he loves us. That's beautiful. Do it one more time. Oh, how, oh, how, oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. Thank you for your love. to say that again. I like a response. I love all of you. Thank you. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I love you. I'm holding to God's unchanging hand. Because if I don't have hope in the power of the resurrection, then let's all just fold up our tent and go home. But my hope is in the resurrection and my hope is there is a place called heaven he said i go to prepare a place for you that where i am there you may be also i love you pray you have a blessed week i hope you can come back and be with us wednesday night to all of our guests thank you for being here sister faith brother clayton is going to send us out singing we believe for it if you want to hang around hang around but make sure you give some love away okay make sure you give some love away thank you sister Faye. thank you brother clayton thank you team you did a great job today